Oh, this is gonna be so much fun! Like, imagine uh, Nas transitions to being a com- hardcore, diehard combo supporter. This yeah. show is gonna be fun. I support Calm Dog. <laughs> this comes on. He's got we should just shirt. get Nas to be fake combo supporter. Yeah, let's just. Oh, I love characters. it. Fake. <laughs> fake. Perfect. He doesn't have to. It. Yeah, it's fake, guys. It's gonna be fake. This is good. <laughs> also, do we have to hit stop recording to make sure it saves? I'll end the broadcast now. Goodbye, everybody, in case any of this makes it afterwards. Welcome to another episode of Progressive Rants. I'm Nabil, and uh, before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which I'm dialing in from, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to elders past and present. So today on the pod, we are back after a long, long time. I know we've been not too uh, consistent, but we're trying to change that. Uh, We're getting a little bit more organized, I hope. I don't know, Niles was doing some housekeeping earlier. As usual, Nas is not paying attention. He's just Nas is on his phone. Nas is on his phone. Anyway, that was Ian. We got Ian. We got Rory, and as always, we got Nas. He's going to interject at the worst possible time. Always. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> going to tell us to wrap up and then go on on a ten-minute rant. Yeah, basically. Yep. Like we mm-hmm. said, the program, everything's like, yeah, we're going to do forty minutes this way. These are topics, and then at the very end, he's going to come in and just ruin the programming. I'm totally going to do all of that, by the way. <laughs> and I'm he just he it. just did, and he's and he's off to the. There we go. He started already. Anyways, mm-hmm. guys, I hope everyone's been well. Um, we've been talking about how. Uh, nah, not Ian. He's uh, he looks tired. At least at least you're done, dude. At least you're done with all the stuff you're doing. Yeah, today was the last day. Crammed in yeah. grades, reports. It's been three years this past year, for sure. Ooh, my name's <laughs> Ian. I'm employed. Oh, this is what I sound like. Didn't you just quit your job? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. <laughs> He's allowed to say that. He's yeah. allowed to say that. Now I'm on the other side, and I get to talk about it like it's a thing. Exactly. He's living the big life of those unemployment checks. So, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not taking unemployment checks. <laughs> yeah, you don't get that if you quit. No, no, you do not. Uh, That's okay, though. Still waiting on that last paycheck. It's going to be a big one. At least $100. Mm. Damn. <laughs> big life. And that's $100. Like of dollars. Yeah, nice. Anyways, we've got a couple of topics we're definitely going to address today. Um, I'd love to start off with our next eventual front runner of the Democratic Party, um, either in the next three years and... Or a very painful seven years having to go through Joe Biden. Seven years of Joe Biden. It's potentially. I don't know how that's going to end potentially up. Potentially the reality. Yeah. So uh, she is, they're trying to push her forward as, you know, giving her that foreign policy experience, going out there, showing that she's yeah. a leader to the world, to do their Guatemala and Mexico trip. Um, something interesting came out of that for sure. There's a Lester Holt interview um, where he keeps pushing her and asking, uh, she was he was asking her that she hadn't been to the border, but she kept saying, "Oh, I, we have been to the border." She that, said that four times in a row, and then he's like, "But you haven't." And her response to that is, "And I haven't been to Europe either." And I'm just like, uh, "It's a epic strange... slapback." Yeah, what uh, is? 
some of her stuff is being criticized pretty heavily in terms of responses that she's, you know, just some criticism she faced during the trip. It's pretty interesting to see what her responses are. I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to use the word flippant, but pretty damn close. Um, you know, I, I to ramble for a second, I'll just kind of dive in, give us a little bit more context here. So I think the big thing that's been been happening is, ob- well, we obviously know why she visited Guatemala and Mexico. A lot of it is an aim to sort of stem migration to the U.S. and as well as to show that she's addressing the problem. She's trying to, to get out in front of it because you've been seeing a lot of this sort of criticism from the GOP um, and sort of trying to label this as a very liberal issue. That the issue was created by the Democrats. And, and they're very much trying to put Harris as being the front of the person who's supposed to solve this issue. So you're seeing a lot of pushback from Harris's team, who's been pretty forthright in stating that her place in the discussion revolves more around trying to, you know, sort of combat the underlying issues as to why there's an issue in the first place with so many people trying to immigrate to the southern border rather than sort of directly attempting to solve the issue at the border as a single point. You know, obviously, this just becomes a pretty easy barb for the GOP to harp on in terms of their criticisms of the Biden administration. And Harris's trip only gave them more fodder as they continue to sort of mischaracterize her role in the crisis. Well, it's the same thing with the policing and everything. It's no one ever addresses the material conditions that lead to where we're at or unrest in the Middle East. Like, we think of, oh, how do we fix this problem, but never think about the preventative medicine. Well, even more so than that, you've got Harris's team really trying to minimize the potential political damage rather than addressing the issue directly. Like, that's what a lot of this seems like. It seems like it's trying to minimize political damage that could be caused more or less by the GOP attempting to link her directly to the issues at the border, which is a smart play on their point. I can't I can't fault them for trying to do it. It's the sort of tactic we should we've, we've learned to sort of see from the GOP. Like, so to be surprised by that, like. We can be upset that they're doing it because it is obviously a sort of obnoxious ploy. But at the same time, that's how politics is going in this country right now. So, you know, they're going to take that swing. Expect it like she should be doing something about it. And you've got, you know, during her trip, you've got you've got Kamala sort of spending a lot of time speaking about what she saw as the causes of mass migration, you know, being crime, corruption, climate change, the three C's. Uh, she's also announcing the U.S. is going to be assisting, assisting in anti in an what was it an anti corruption panel in Guatemala, but that was ridiculous because it was very very quickly denounced by their president Alejandro. I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this right. Giam Giamatti, G, Alejandro Giamatti. Um, so it was a big swing and a miss on her part. She was talking about this panel that they're going to be starting. Uh, that's going to be this anti corruption thing, and the president comes right out and goes. I denounce this. So already off to a bad oh, yeah. start. You know what? I, I do think that the solution to the immigration issue is U.S. direct intervention into the politics of <laughs> Central America. Oh, well, that, we were always huge interventionists. Well. You know, it's, 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 it's that fun historical context, Ian, that we all seem to really enjoy ignoring. You know, I think that the biggest criticism that came from her trip comes from some of her own direct comments when, when people were talking about those who may try to migrate north in the future. And her word specifically was, do not come. Honestly, Kamala's a Volcell queen, and uh, that's pretty rad. She's, an- she's anti-orgasm. <laughs> you protect our precious bodily fluids. Yeah, that's great. That's great, guys. I'm really that's that's some hard hitting stuff. Uh, I know, right? This is a, this is a serious political yeah. podcast, guys. All right, we, really though. Like, I think the biggest issue. No, it's, no, that's it's absolutely I'm sickening. A joke because yeah. she's a fucking joke. Well, you got to point. That's, you kind that's, of have that's to. The whole, I mean, well, what am I supposed to say to that? 
Well, look he's, at it, man. He's still telling the same line as uh, the Trump administration. Nothing mm-hmm. has changed at all. Well, I would and love then, to see. A what what does that gain her? What does that gain anyone? Her mm-hmm. saying that. What what was the thinking behind that? She's just trying I mean, to look strong and powerful and assertive. That's all. It, She's just, it, that's an image. It, the, her 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 handlers told her this is how you need to portray portray yourself when you're out there. I well, see that's just like going to alienate her from the left even more. Yeah. And she's not winning any, over anyone from the right. So what? Who does? How does that benefit anyone? That's the point that I think means the most in terms of this discussion is that it's exactly what he said. She's not gonna win anybody from the GOP by saying something like that. All she's gonna do is alienate herself from her otherwise already supporters. Moderate, moderate liberals. Let's be honest; they're closer to conservatives in terms of other countries. They don't really give a shit. They're just voting along party lines in the same way the GOP does. It's it's the the more far left Democrats that she should be trying to speak to because they're the people who are very much voting with their hearts and minds. And they're the people she should be speaking to because they are becoming a very, very large or not voting at all because they're so alienated out of the process by the choices they have. And who can blame them? You know, and again, I think the biggest issue that comes from this comes from the fact that when you look at what she's talking about, she's offering very little in the way of a short term plan to sort of soothe the current issue that's plaguing the southern border. Instead of focusing on the root issues, you know, which should and hopefully will show long term efficacy for stemming the issue, but it provides no short term solution to help those at issue right now. And that's where her criticism is coming from. What are you doing about this? It's a problem today. It was a problem yesterday. It's going to be a problem tomorrow. What is your solution for this? And the answer is her going, well, we're going to start working with these places to sort of try to combat crime and corruption. Climate change is a big issue of why people are coming north. And you said they go, yeah, we've known about all so these things. So fucking do something yeah. about climate change, cowards. Well, yeah, and they're not going to. And no, no, we've honest. got an amazing infrastructure bill that's going to be improving infrastructure by 560 billion dollars guys that's gonna solve everything oh boy while we hand over everything it'll get filibustered out of course it will and look let's be honest no there's bipartisan support coming through now because biden's talking to fucking mitt romney and co about this now um and it might actually go through if they have enough centrist votes i don't know i don't think that there is i think that right now you're getting just strong-armed bullshit when it comes to legislation, it's it's one side supports it all, or the other side tries to shut it down. Nobody's cooperating. There's no and then bipartisanship like, in our um, government right now. Fucking oh my god, I'm blanking on his fucking name right now. West Virginia mansion, mansion. I mean, like, he, cinema, he's serving yeah. a purpose. He's there, yeah, and and cinema. They're there specifically to be the people that shut them down from passing these large bills. So mm-hmm. they have to negotiate them down. So they get to appear. Sure. Like, oh, we're reaching for this, and then we had to negotiate it down. Mm-hmm. They're there playing that specific role. They're not really trying to convince Mansion and Cinema to vote for this. They Shit, like them no. exactly where they are. That gives them the gives excuse them cover. to push it right again. It gives them cover for what they actually want, basically. Yep. Well, so, like, and here's the thing that's going to screw over when it comes to the Democrats and the crisis at the border, if we want to call it a crisis. I mean, things are getting pretty bad, but as things currently stand, Biden's administration is leaning 
kind of heavily on this Trump era ruling, right? It allows border agents to pretty very, like in a very short time, turn away migrants without providing them so much as a chance to even apply for asylum. It's called Title 42. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it was put in place at, at the beginning of the US COVID outbreak. And it really relies on justifying turning individuals away as a preventative measure intended to stop the spread of COVID specifically. So this ruling kind of very much past that flies in the face of regular U.S. immigration law, which pretty much entitles migrants to be able to ask for protection upon stepping on U.S. soil, right? And they've been using it as provocation to turn away a very, very large number of people every month. And they're doing it. And again, Trump era policy. And you're not hearing a lot of people talking about that, how we're supposed to be this. It's it's supposed to be a Democrat party. We're supposed to be more liberal. We're supposed to be dealing with this. And they're just really leaning on Trump era policy that you would have seen these same people calling regressive and, and wrong, you know, if this was a year ago. So there's a real, real big criticism that's gonna, that's gonna come home to roost at some point. I don't hear a ton of people talking about it right now, but I can't see why the GOP isn't harping on that so hard. Hey, if Trump was so bad and he was such doing such a bad job with the border, why is the Biden administration leaning so hard on the shit that he implemented rather than removing it if it was so bad? You know, it's particularly concerning because you have someone like Harris, who as a senator spoke directly against that measure, questioning its legality, who is now apparently, quote, spearheading the issue down at the border and using they are using that exact same policy that she herself spoke out against. Same Why? one you bottle, Rory. Same yep. one you bottle. But again, and I, it's one of those things where I sit there and go, I, I'm, I'm happy that the GOP isn't a little bit fucking smarter because they would be crushing her with this right now. They would be shoving it down her fucking throat. And it's obviously not over yet. So wait for that one because that's going to be coming down the woodwork. Like, that's They're baiting her. Point. That's the new. That's the new. They're just, yeah. She's going to trip at some point. She's not a Ooh. very skilled politician. Politically speaking, it's a fucking time bomb for her. You know, the GOP is going to continually try to link her to this issue. They're going to ignore the context of the issue itself. And it's not going to bode well for her political future if both the link holds. And especially if there's no viable solutions that she's pushing forward are found successful. She is in a very, very bad situation here that she needs to figure out a way to dig herself out of. But and at the same time, like no one, no one really wants to fix this because yeah, it's, it's a pawn. It's a culture war pawn now. It's be mm -hmm. like everything. It's just become this sort of it's become political fodder. You know, we're not talking about, you know, how neoliberalism has destroyed the global south. Mm. We're not talking about the war on drugs here fueling the, the cartel industry in Central America. You know, it's just we don't talk about the things that are actually causing these issues. And we don't care to cause like fix those things. It's all just political grandstanding. Yeah, it's just it's fodder for the fire. Which is funny because fodder is poo. Anyways, I've got some just a couple of like final thoughts when it comes to the housing crisis, really more or less. This is where it comes down to, especially with like Title Forty Two. Nas wanted to say something, but I'm going to cut him off because fuck you, Nas. Um, during May alone, right, the Border Patrol used Title Forty Two to expel roughly a hundred thousand individuals okay you had one hundred eighty thousand that crossed the border and were apprehended what's more conflicting is the issue that title 42 exempts unoccupied or unaccompanied minors 
and the implications that could arise from such an exemption that I really think is something that people need to keep in mind because it sets a very interesting precedent there. I mean, the positive being asylum, but the negative being a surge in unaccompanied children at the border. That's going to be the result of this once people start to understand the implications of that ruling. The number of children found traveling alone in May dropped from the previous month by you know, with something like 10,000 found in May to April's 14,000. That's a crazy number to think about. Some 10,000 children a month right now are showing up at our border. The all-time high was roughly 19,000 children in March. Unaccompanied minors at our border, 19,000. And that results amounts to the largest surge in migration in 20 years. So I always hate to try to air to what the GOP says when they're like, this is a fucking crisis. This is something we need to blah, blah, blah. They don't actually give a fuck. They're just looking for something to harp on the liberals about. But it's hard pressed for someone who looks into it to look at it and go, this isn't a crisis. It's fine. And that's kind of where we're at with that. And it is definitely concerning. And after seeing what Kamala Harris did in terms of her rhetoric, I don't think anything's going to fucking change. So fucking condescending. Mm hmm. Yep. But I, about, I, I just want to quickly say on um, Kamala I think uh, Nas I, has something to say from the beehive. Or sorry, the K-hat. Go for it. Rookie <laughs> <laughs> or Ian is is muting my mic. Um, oh, no. It wasn't, it one wasn't of them. me. I wish it wasn't it was me because none of you it's definitely me. give me privileges. So. It's definitely no. not Nabil because he doesn't have admin privileges. Anyways. Uh, the, my point on Kamala Harris, I think she, she's um, she's quite on her own when it comes to anything to do with policies right now. I think the White House, uh, or at least Biden's people, has has sort of seen the seen what a lot of us has already like saw like uh, over a year ago during the primaries. Is that I think she's just completely a terrible politician, and and a lot and and part of the reason why you think like why would you like. I mean, she, she bombed the primaries. She bombed the primaries. Like she was polling what, like something like, um, like at nine. She was polling 10. fourth in California. That's how bad. Uh, that, that's yeah. and that's bad, right? It was She's single digits. The senator yeah. from California was polling fourth in her own home. Right. State. So the the thing with yeah. uh, that the Biden people have understood is like she's like that's part of the reason why they literally sent her to Guatemala. They didn't send her to Europe. They didn't send her to like um You're the middle soft. east well, right but they, they send her to guatemala because they thought that hey that's one thing that she can't fuck up and then guess what she did fuck it up and and i think a lot of the stuff that she's speaking uh, talking about it's not even i don't think it's even coming from the white house i think it's just coming from her own people like obviously like these politicians they have their own team like there's a team behind kamala harris that is thinking about 2024 think about 2028 and her people are the ones who are advising her. I don't think any of anything that you hear from her, because think of the few interviews that she's I, done. Ever I, since. I don't know that I necessarily agree. I think anyone in her position, especially someone who's vying for the presidential seat, like let's let's all be real. Like that's that's her plan. Sure. She's, she's locked in tight with the DNC. No, she's she not going to step but, out of line because she's who they're going to get behind. Right. But but I think I think it's. Like the faction, and, and I'm pretty sure even within the DNC, the establishment, there's factions, right? And I think she's like a, a, a lot of people. I'm pretty sure weren't very happy with. Uh, she's Biden definitely the Clinton her. wing of the Democratic Party. I mean, if you want to talk I about factions like, in the DNC, there's I, the people I, who win, and then there's the people who disagree. 
Right, and see, so yeah, right. Basically, that's that's what I was trying to get at. I think she's just no. You're wrong. Well, that was my point. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. What? <laughs> what I'm literally the opposite of your point. Uh... What I'm trying to get at is, as I think she's sort of like literally on her own, as in like she's uh, she has fucked up enough times since the election that they don't want her to do anything important. I think it's, this is, this presidency isn't what uh, I think, uh, like, I don't know. This is, this is like, she's, she's totally on her own and she's uh, being, and that is being intentionally done by the white house is what I'm like. Basically she has handlers is what you're trying to say. And, and she's doing a terrible job at being. uh, Well, and I think those handlers are DNC handlers. Potentially. But I also get the argument that the Biden administration is sort of trying to let her sit alone because they don't want any fuck ups to come home to roost and sit as like being a failure of Biden himself. Right. So giving him, they're like, well, go see what you can do, Kamala. And they he and, and antiquated Uncle Joe packs her on the butt. And off she goes. I'm pretty sure she's going to fuck up more times within the next three and a half years. I mean, she already has fucked up. Guaranteed. Didn't she go something like over a month without doing a single like media appearance or like interview or she got criticized pretty heavily for not having and and she laughed at uh, she laughed at something I forgot what it was was press briefings and that sort of thing. yeah uh, she laughs at very like I don't know weird things she made that joke about truant kids yeah it's it's quite unnerving sometimes she'll like it'll be a serious topic and she'll start with the fucking cackle and like uh that's very misplaced right there she's Not a terrible me. debater too which which is um which is again it's something that's just gonna be can you imagine say, say hypothetical say trump runs again and yeah Biden uh, she's and just Kamala be, versus you know, trump he's gonna get destroyed well she absolutely gets demolished it's not because. even com- like even ted cruz would absolutely demolish her like it's not you don't even have to go to trump if you're working for the democrats you cannot answer things in any way that can be misconstrued as a flippant response you need to care about everything you need to take everything seriously even if it's a personal attack the only thing you can respond to somewhat sarcastically or derisively is is things that are direct attacks from members of the GOP. Then you can tell them to fuck off. Then you can do the, will you just shut up, man, and do and that And then crap. it's a clap back. Yeah, and then it's a clap back. But if you're doing it in response to your supporters asking you legitimate questions or offering legitimate criticism and you dismiss that, you're fucked. You're fucked. And you kind of I mean, get Biden that. did it across the campaign trail and he's still fucking one. But he had the full support of the DNC. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, of course. Listen, let's be honest. That's what gets you the nomination. You can sit there and be Bernie Sanders and have the whole fucking lower end of the populace love yeah, you. Yeah, remember when Julian Castro just alluded to the fact that he was senile and he just got fucking crushed by the DNC because of that? Yeah, oh, yeah, the DNC was destroyed him. Behind. Yeah. yeah, I also think the right doesn't go after Kamala Harris because they really just don't see her as a threat at, anymore, at least. Like, they, like, they... They the reason they'll just like oh let her let her go on this self destruction path because if that's what the Democrats are gonna put up four years from now three like six six it's seven years from a now softball yeah exactly so uh, that like the the, the right, right is will... leveraging the civil war between the Democratic Party right now they're just like oh they're trying to be communist it's a socialist takeover of the it's Democratic like that's Party Obama, blah, blah, blah. that's their angle yeah. at all. 
So. This has been this has been the rhetoric for a long time. They've just started, but it's been amped it up. up now because of yeah, the actual right. fucking socialists in Congress now. So they're mm-hmm. fucking scared. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Actual, you, know what I mean. you know, what I mean, guys, you know, we're gonna come up with a name for that. Like exactly. they've got the Rhino. It'll be the Sino, socialist <laughs> only. In, oh, in, speaking in, of in um, only, speaking of is. good news, guys. Uh, remember our friend uh, Tom Perez, who recently joined a anti-union organization. Um, <sighs> he is announcing, I think, to run for governor of Virginia to replace oh, Larry. Beautiful. Whoop, whoop. How yeah. exciting. No, I just thought I'd just throw it out. Throw it out there. <laughs> Remember when they put it's him like up against Ellison and the argument was like, there's literally no difference between the two, so vote for our guy. I don't understand what you could possibly say is different between Perez and Ellison, so... Just... Just go with Close just your go with us. Look a hole and off you go. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, when you see shit like that, it's just it's hilarious because they they think people don't see it. They don't. I don't know. It's like who are they hiding all this shit from? They aren't. They're just doing it all out in the open. People see it and people no are gives just a shit. We give a shit. That's yeah, we're, we're no one. Yeah, true. There we no go. One, no one listens to us. It's, it always starts with no one, Ian, and then it builds up to to um, someone. Ooh, yeah. interesting. Speaking of some people, how's that yeah. segue? That was pretty. Good. <laughs> so. Which people are we talking about? The people who are about to lose all their housing in home homeowners and renters, basically. Ooh. Yeah, we want to talk about the housing crisis a little bit, let's, or the looming yeah, house crisis. Who's got what on this? Uh, I've got a little bit to say, but I don't know. I'll let, if you want to start with some numbers, and then we can take it from there. I mean, I've got a big, long rant, and we can just do the same thing where I sit there, and we interject a little bit, and then I, I give you guys more depressing information, and we float on, if that works for you guys. That works great. Rory I mean, just described we know our, that our programming format. <laughs> Forgot the part where I interrupt. Uh, you yeah. did. There you, there just, you go. It, there we go. We're on track, guys. Keep, keep going, Nas, you just ate your microphone. My God. Yeah, you're either 10 feet away or, or literally touching it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, so anyone paying attention, you know, it's obvious that the housing situation in the United States right now is pretty much set to explode in the coming months, if not sooner. You got some interesting information coming out of like the Census Bureau. Uh, their most recent survey showed that roughly 4.2 million people are ranked as likely or somewhat likely to be evicted from their Homes and rented spaces, obviously from their homes, it would be foreclosure within the next two months alone. So that's 4.2 million people that they rank as being fairly likely to be foreclosed upon in the next two months. Plus, obviously, that being a certain percentage of rented spaces, they weren't very good about discerning from the two. Just focus on that number, 4.2 million people. and Think about that in terms of vacant area. So the eviction moratorium that's currently set to expire at the end of June with certain groups attempting to put pressure on the admin, uh, the Biden administration to extend that moratorium, um, that's that's obviously looming for a lot of people. The end of June, there's some $45 billion in rental assistance allocated to protect various communities from the fallout of the COVID crisis. But this assistance, for whatever reason, seems to be sort of rather slow at reaching the people who need it. So I, I did just deal. see... On a hopefully positive note, California just voted to uh, pay all back rent mm. for its uh, people who are behind on rent. I can only assume that some of that comes from that forty-five billion. It seems like, for whatever reason, that rental assistance is that, that assistance is is sort of 
for I don't know why, but it just doesn't seem to be getting where it needs to go. It never has. Well, you get a lot of that issue from the COVID crisis where you saw so many people who had the ability to do the tax legalese, whatever you want to call it, to, to pull in money from these various stimulus packages, you know, oh, I'm a, I'm a person who's a uh, building homes. And so before I was going to have to put my own money into this, but I got $40,000 from the government because I said I was applying for low income housing that I was going to be building for people. So they built the place for me. How great. And to a certain extent, that's fine. But to a certain extent, we're also giving money back to people who didn't need it to build a, uh, another even source of income. Musk like do that to like prove some point. Sure. I'm sure a lot of rich people did that. <laughs> I'm sure Musk it's free money doesn't shock me. So you got that going on. You got another study out there by the National Association of Realtors. You know, I got a point on this. They Go found that it. the housing market needs to build at least five and a half million new units of housing to keep up with the demand and to keep home ownership affordable over the next decade. So about five and a half million. I'm unsure yeah. as to how this works, to so be honest. It's using it based off of historical data and it's yeah. more tied to like where the market was versus what the building was. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to keep on par with that. Here's a statistic for you. Take a guess at how many vacant homes there are in the United States right now or more as of homeless. two years ago. More than uh, homeless. Yeah, roughly 31 times as many. There are 17 million vacant housing units as of the last census, and that's before all of this. And that was actually that's only going to go up, and it had gone up from its previous number of 13 something in 2018. Mm -hmm. So, like, is it all like rental property? It's an allocation property, like other people, or just abandoned? What have you? What have you? But like, this is an allocation issue. It's not a building issue. Of course not. And it makes more sense, though, that the National Association of Realtors are arguing that we need to add more housing to the market. I mean, you look, given given the penchant in this market for higher end investors to purchase units as a means of extra income, it doesn't make I mean, it makes plenty of sense as to how we got to that issue, obviously. But you're looking at again, if you if you had let's say let's say this is a legitimate statistic which i again i have a hard time believing but i wanted to bring it up anyways this five and a half million number is also on top of the average 1.2 million units that are built yearly so that accounts for a 60 percent increase in construction labor needed over the next decade in order to make that happen so i can understand the argument but Based on what Ian said, that's something that you need to keep in mind. There isn't necessarily the issue with there being a lack of housing. There is very, very decidedly an issue with higher end investors that have the ability to purchase these units and then hold them at a certain rent price without giving them out because this is just how markets well, work. That BlackRock, the BlackRock Investments has been absolutely sweeping the market. Mm-hmm. Buying every single entire towns, just spying out every single family home sure. for hundred over asking, twenty percent over asking, cash down. It's They're scooping the up the, the market. It's this, the landed this cannot sustain. It's what we're o- getting. Also, towards. similar to BlackRock, another housing real estate company called Blackstone, uh, with three hundred seventy-eight billion dollars worth of property. Which is funny, <sighs> you should mention BlackRock because I was just reading an article from Financial Times. They uh, they're just fucking Gross. going around buying shit like crazy, like all the rental properties. Mm-hmm. They they're getting ready to buy more distressed property right now. Consolidation, uh, and you know what? Yeah. I hope some of them get their asses kicked if the market falls. I don't want to see average investors get kicked. I want to see these big people that are consult. They, there's not a single yeah, but they won't. Remember what happened last time? They got kicked. They got bailed out. So mm-hmm. 
Yep. And I'd what like to hope that happen? we don't. I'd like, like to what happened during COVID? COVID, everybody got bailed out except for the little guy compared to compared to the corporate bailouts. So uh, I don't know. They got like $3,000 over the course of a year and a half. Nabil, True. So. Mm-hmm. Everyone got fucking paid. Think about that, that, buddy, before you say mean things about our overlords. Okay? Just throwing it True. out there. But let's look at some... I'm sorry. Let's look at, I'm let's, sorry. Please. <laughs> I want my hand out again. We, we should look at some shit, right? Look at So home prices right now, it doesn't take a, a genius to know that they're at record highs. Inventory? record lows. You see this issue in a lot of other sectors of the market currently. I mean, namely, if you look at like the automotive market, but I'm not going to get into that. Let's just stick with the housing market. But it's just, if you look, you're going to see the same thing. Prices are record highs, inventory record lows. Keep that in mind. We see record highs in homes selling above asking price, as well as record lows in the amount of time that any given unit is staying on the market currently because they're getting bought so quickly. The housing market is in a buying fucking frenzy as many families and others are attempting to kind of resettle themselves following 2020 so you're seeing a lot of mass exodus from urban areas the current situation it seems at least to be in part obviously due to the vast number of individuals now working from home as a result of the covid pandemic forcing everyone out of urban centers toward more rural areas as i just said interest rates are also at record lows with a national rate of individual savings having reached guess what record highs highest levels they've seen in decades at a rate of roughly 72% as of December 2019, you know, uh, March 2021 held this rate at 27.7 compared, which obviously plummeted pretty quickly down to about 14.9 in April, but obviously, you know, was much higher than 7.2 in 2019. So for more information, like a little more context about that number, this number really is just represented as a percentage of DPI or disposable personal income, which when you think about it, is something that kind of makes sense. Um, It's just sort of to be viewed as the portion of an individual's personal income that is used either to provide funds to capital markets or to invest in real estate, such as in this case, residencies, you know, savings. It's your savings, folks. Or in Nas's case, a shit ton of AMC stuff. Shit ton of AMC stuff. No, don't open that can of worms right now. Well, he can talk about it Someone mute Nas every time he unmutes. Uh, But so I believe this is a result of individuals who are otherwise relegated to urban environments and commutes in places like New York City or other large urban centers being able to now work remotely while still holding on to that high-end paycheck they were making in the city, which arguably goes a lot farther when applied to a more rural environment. I feel like people aren't necessarily discussing this. You've got a lot of people with high-end salaries in urban areas moving that funds and, and that liquidity they get from those large markets into rural areas where their money goes significantly farther. You know, whether I just moved is- an hour away from work. Yeah. For that exact reason, look because at you. I could not afford a house in the Boston <laughs> area. Even oh, yeah. with we bought, we just bought this house. With my mother-in-law, because that's like what the situation is. Otherwise, we were looking at, at best case scenario, saving up longer to get a one-bedroom yep. shit condo. And see, so you're a statistic. Guys, just, Congratulations. just it out there. The bank of mom and dad in Australia is the ninth largest bank. That's wild. That, so everyone who's buying, everyone in our generation buying houses is like one out of, I think, five or six people are getting funded through bank of mom and dad. So but So it's basically... Yeah, that that is that is a crisis. You can't buy your own fucking house. It's yep. just not. Well, it's well, even here. If you want to qualify for first time home buyers uh, um, rates, you yeah, can't or- get your down payment as a gift. Mm. You can, uh, or a certain percentage. 
at least half of it has to not come from another another source. Oh, it, ha- it can't come from another source. Okay. Yeah, right. So you couldn't get like your mom and dad or whatever to your parents to give you it. a down payment and okay. then qualify for first time home buyers rates. And then you're shut out of the market otherwise. So you either property invest, have them pay think, for the whole thing or you are shut out. Like real estate is pretty crazy in the U.S., but I don't think you guys don't have an idea of real estate here. It's literally a pastime for people. It's a hobby. They got so much fucking money here that people sure. are just buying houses. I mean, we're kind of then again, you know, you right say, that's when you segregate the people who can and cannot afford because now they're driving up. It's a similar situation here sure. in Australia as well. Supply, it's oversupply of apartments which is why apartment prices are going down but that's interesting you say about houses everyone mm-hmm. is doing the same thing everyone's also moving out of the city to bigger homes a little further away because everyone's working from home and stuff like that so the fascinating thing is whether or not this is going to have an impact on those environments they're moving to it's too early to tell whether or not that money and the influx of money being brought to certain rural areas is going to have an impact but i'd kind of be hard pressed to argue that it's not going to in some way end up having a detrimental effect on the buying power of those individuals from said areas seeing an influx of money from outside sources surging in. I don't understand. I mean, that's just and the, the cycle way that continues, worked. and then they move to the city because the city is yeah. cheaper now. I don't know. I'm just saying. Well, like, it's maybe just, it's definitely possible. I, I, I don't mean, know at this rate. I don't. I don't think that's the trend anymore. I mean, the word. I, I do have a few friends who have moved mind. into the city because uh, apartments are super yeah. cheap now. In the city. Like we're rene- renegotiating yeah. our rent right but now because we but can. We just the result, a, the market in right? In apartments, yeah. So the the result is going to be rural areas becoming very, very more gentrified a lot faster than the trend usually occurs. That's what I not think necessarily is uh, rural, your- but. We, I, again, outer urban areas. Yeah, so, honestly, some rural areas. I mean, yeah, in Vermont rural right areas now, as well. I gotta show sure. you, the housing market here fucking exploded, and we're talking about some really crappy. New Hampshire's really home. bad right now too. I mean, if we really want to get down to it, the real question I'm asking, I think everyone should be asking, is what the fallout of all these buyers eagerly entering the market is going to be when millions of homes and apartments are about to be foreclosed on, and millions of Americans are going to be evicted, all of in the course of several months. That's the question that I have that I think is going to be particularly fascinating. Some people, you know, you're going to suggest, based on what we were talking about, quick consolidation of these vacant units by large interest groups. Others are going to suggest what many of us have feared, what I've personally feared for a long time, is simply being an inevitability at this point, which is a large crash. Historically Mm -hmm. speaking, when the housing market crashes, the entire market crashes along with it. Those paying attention to the market are going to be hard pressed to argue that the rate of recovery that we've seen in the fallout of the spring of last year is a normal recovery. So the final possibility is that nothing really changes all that much. And the result is still millions of Americans being unable to afford homes outright. While, you know, those with the liquidity to purchase during these past few months find themselves either way ahead of the rest as they've always been owning second homes being rented out to that ever increasing market of rentable spaces spurned on by companies like Airbnb and leaving everybody else in the fucking dust. Like that's, that's the, what does that mean for the renter market? Because if you think about it that way, if people are going to be evicted or losing their homes or losing home ownership, obviously they're going to have to rent now. Right. Yeah. So what does that do for rental prices? I mean, it just depends on rock and hard place. Well, I don't know necessarily that the rental situation is this. I mean, I think there are fewer rental, there are fewer affordable rental units. Yeah. There are so, so the supply it. of yes, affordable units is going to be not that high, but yep. then you're going to have this influx of people trying to find affordable. Any units. anything built has been luxury apartment oh, spaces I, that I are know largely that empty. For a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's like I don't. I, you I know those are driving the price up. It, 
it's because you have these interest groups buying, okay? If the issue was that it was just small interested investors buying into the housing, retail investors buying into the housing market and having those second places, you would probably see some of them being edged on the price that they wanted towards something more realistic and more livable for those people entering the space. But that's not the case. The case is, is that you're seeing these areas of the market be consolidated by large interest groups who are allowed, they have the liquidity and the purchasing power to be able to hold at that price for what they want. Yeah, because they, they can, can afford to leave it vacant. The market dry. They can afford to leave it vacant until they get the guaranteed exactly. income yes. that they're looking for. That's they the don't claim taxes on it, and and they'll, they'll yeah, as yeah. a loss. So how how this mm-hmm. works is interesting. So I I, I worked in um, financial real estate for a little bit, and I saw the fucking dark side of it. Um, basically, <laughs> the light side. Uh, <laughs> yeah, was, tell us about the happy side first. No, well, you know they provide housing for everybody. You know what they say on the brochure. No, they Fuck don't. That dreams kidding. come true. Anyway, so how this so how this works is so, and I used to work for um, the now is the third largest. Um, um, company in America now. I think they offer like thirty something. Silver just such a shithead. No, <laughs> it's called uh, Win Companies. They're right oh. in. Fa- um, oh, Win. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Boston billionaire family. Anyways, uh, I'll, I'll this financial good. advice. This is not financial advice. This is a this is a story time. Right uh, now. I'll, I'll link <laughs> Nabil's Twitter on uh, <laughs> in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Anyways, I, I, so I got I, I was in the underbelly of this whole thing. I got to see things a little too close. <laughs> how this how this works is they. they I don't know if up, you were necessarily in the underbelly of wind was, real okay. estate. <laughs> I was okay. I'll, okay, fine. I'll fucking say exactly how this shit. Be, bring this yeah, briefcase down to Forty Fourth Street. Don't ask any <laughs> questions. Pretty much. So, anyways, this is how it worked out. He got in. You can and you can Google all this stuff. So he he got in for um, bribing a local council person councilman for. Uh, trying to get property rights and development rights and whatnot. So normally I think it's a five-year jail sentence or a seven-year jail sentence. Mm. He paid $50,000 and got out. But the agreement was that he could never access the office again. And he had to step down from the role of president. And the interesting part was the stairwell didn't count as the office. So the legal counsel (laughs) would uh, come down. He would rock up in his limo and (laughs) the legal counsel would meet him in the stairwell. Uh, And also his son became the president of the company Anyways, so uh, I digress. So, anyways, Wait, they just meet at a McDonald's or something, by the way. Yeah, so, uh, it's a place of business. It's a place of business. Wait, so he... They meant literal office? Yeah. <laughs> I assumed was... when you said that they meant the position, not no, no, the no, physical he... space. No, he <laughs> physically was lawyers. not allowed inside the office anymore. Oh, as this, was, this was when Zoom wasn't a thing, by the way. Yeah, yeah this, this is. Uh, no, this is. Yeah, he got, he got charged in 2012 or something like that. So, that's back in the day. Um,. So I, I would go down for a smoke and I'd be like, ah, the owner of the company and the head of the legal counsel are just walking, you know, that's why I said, yeah, walk down the stairs and like, I see this shit. So this was normal. Anyway, so basically how they made or how these companies make money is they end up buying the low income housing and they get tax credits for maintaining and operating these buildings and they don't get give a shit about them. Because I've seen in meetings how they talk about these places. It's quite condescending how they even mention these buildings where basically low-income people live. Um, They use those tax credits to build million-dollar fucking condos. And then they sell those condos to a lot of international buyers as well at fucking crazy prices. So they're getting the best of both worlds. So they're not having to build brand new 
um, low-income housing because what they're doing is they're just buying off the ones that already exist and then maintaining them, maintaining them to get a so it's a private public partnership that's basically screwing over people. So that's why we're having a crisis in low-income housing because they're not incentivized to actually build new low-income housing. They're just incentivized to maintain it to get that tax rate. So that's why we see that discrepancy in the housing ratio of low-income versus high-income. That's basically my two cents on that. I mean, that's that's interesting to think about. You know, I mean, in terms of what we've got coming in the future, I'm just basically trying to hold the question of what do we think is going to happen? You know what I mean? Supply is about to explode. Right now, supply is low. Demand is high. Soon, supply is going to explode. The question is whether or not demand is going to hold along with those millions of Americans who are going to watch the value of all those recently purchased homes slide downward. It's going to happen. God forbid we like actually nationalize these failing assets instead of just bailing them out. Nope. Nope. We're never going to turn any of this stuff into like the the notion that people have a right to a home or to c- clean water. Fuck off, Ian. Goddamn hippie. Get out of here. Uh, it's, it's it's just, I can't, you know, I'm just so what are you on? Come on, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm flabbergasted by the number of people who are like so hard trying to buy into the housing market right now. It's such a fucking gamble. It's a gamble right now. Right now, a lot of people are buying hopes in the hopes that it's going to pay off in the long run. And historically speaking, for every person who buys during a boon, there's another that's left holding that fucking bag when the market corrects, right? We're seeing that there's a demand for millions of homes to be created. And we see that millions are going to be losing homes. And how do the two of these issues offset one another? What's the fallout going to be like for the people who are evicted? This is where we're at. This is where we're going to be. And uh, honestly, the answer is really just very depressingly a time will tell. Because, And even worse than that, obviously, I'm of the opinion that this stuff is going to all be bought up by these large interest groups. And everything's going to kind of stay the same in that status quo. That's just the way it's going to be. Uh, and apparently, we have lost Nabil. He has His just laptop headed out. just started updating independently. Uh-huh. Oh, because yep. he hit update in an hour instead of tonight. <laughs> yep. Well, I think that that's about it. Unless you and me wanted to chat about something else. We're sitting here at about uh, probably what will end up being 47-ish to 50 minutes. Uh, yeah, no, that's not- probably good. Nas decided to leave. Uh, he was sick of of being wrong, and, uh, <laughs> and he's a uh, liberal coward. Yeah, and Nabil just decided to run off. So, uh, yeah, and Nabil I, wonders why we don't give him admin privileges. Yeah, because he presses the update button at the wrong time. This is only going to be a good thing for my computer, right? He says. <laughs> yes. Why don't you go ahead and defend yourself, Nabil? Oh, wait, you can't because you left. <sighs> yep. Well, oh, well, <laughs> is, is that him? is that him? I can't tell. Oh, it is. He's on his phone now. Which is horrifically cracked. <laughs> yeah, you're you're I, I'm looking. It's like, um, folks, have you ever looked at an ant farm? Uh, it does look like an ant farm how like after a certain point you're like wow that i wouldn't want to live in there like that's kind of what nabil's camera looks like right now uh i know that doesn't (laughs) help you guys but boy it is super embarrassing (laughs) 
Well, well, we've only been saying good things about you, Nabil, since you've been gone. Only good things. You'll have to take our word for it and listen back to the whole episode. Um, well, I, I think mean, that, that about was, wraps up this episode. Yeah, it was pretty much all I wanted to say on the housing crisis. I feel like I got in some pretty good licks against old Miss Harris. So, uh, yeah. On behalf of everybody here at Progressive Rants, on behalf of Nabil, who is uh, on the other side of an ant farm, and behalf of on behalf of Nas, who uh, stepped out probably to get yelled at by someone who knows it seems to be his his resting. Fuck you all. Yep. Yeah. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Take care.